0: We need to be treating every acre, the smallest unit that we can efficiently do, differently. And we need to be monitoring what's going on in it and applying the products that they need, that that, that, that specific area needs, instead of blanket applying chemicals and fertilizers and pesticides and all that. Welcome to Croptastic, the interplant podcast where your host, Shelly Aronov, explores the global future of agriculture and food. Brian Thompson, a sixth-generation farmer from Central Ohio, joins the podcast today to talk with Shelly about changes on the farm over the last few decades and what we might see in the future.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cryptastic, the podcast by Plant. Today's guest is Brian Thompson. Brian is a farmer. And actually, Brian, where do you farm?
0: I farm in uh, Ohio, in Central Ohio.
1: Central Ohio? Soybeans, corn?
0: Yep. And soybeans yes ma'am
1: perfect well thank you so much for joining us today Brian let's start Thanks in for the having me. would you share uh, how you got into farming how many generations of your family farmed uh the personal story here
0: yeah I think uh we can uh, we can trace uh, easily trace my family farming back uh six generations wow. on on both sides actually my uh, grand my grandma and my grandpa's Parents uh, were were both farmers, and their family were always farmers. My my love for it started when I was a little kid. Uh, it's all I've ever wanted to do. I worked with my uh, dad until uh, 2010. I started farming on my own, but we worked very closely together still. My grandpa Roger Thompson was a huge part of my career and uh, teaching me how to how to how to focus on the business and the farming. And uh, we cur- my wife and I currently farm uh, 4,200 acres in Clark Green and Madison and Fayette County, Ohio, basically centered around South Charleston, Ohio. We have a 12-year-old son, Bo, and a seven-year-old daughter, Elsie. It truly is a family operation.
1: Are they already working on the farm?
0: Yep. My son has uh, run a grain cart for us for the last two falls. Uh, he planted uh, oh. beans for the first time by himself last spring, which was which was, he's very capable, uh, but letting him, letting him go in a bean plant, it was really nerve wracking for me.
1: <laughs> I can imagine the 12.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> yeah big, I sat in the field. Uh, he was 11. He would have been 11 at the time. And uh, I sat in the field for an hour or so just watching him because I was too nervous to leave, but he, he's, uh, he's really good and uh, really focused. And he's, a, he's quite a talented young man at this uh, early stage.
1: Well, I'm thinking I should be sending my kids to your farm. Help them grow up.
0: <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that.
1: <laughs> Fair. Um, and Brian, you have a, a unique story because you also, between farming and farming, started a business, right? Can you talk about that yeah, a little and,
0: bit? Yep. In 2010, um, I met uh, Dalton Dodd. And we started uh, Precision Partners. We started out as a uh, soil sampling and consulting uh, company for fertilizer recommendations, crop scouting, stuff like that. And he and I built that into a large uh, retail fertilizer and chemical application business. We uh, we applied about 275,000 acres of fertilizer and chemicals annually. And we sold that business in 2021 to the J.R. Simplot company.
1: Are you happy to be on to the next thing in farming or do you think you'll start another business in the future?
0: <laughs> well, I, I will have. Yes, I'm very happy to farm. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Uh, it's what I truly love to do. But I have an entrepreneurial spirit and I will be into something else. I don't know exactly what it is. I, I work with work with my cousins on a farm market. Uh, where they grow produce and flowers and sell them to the public around Springfield. So we already have that uh, small business going. But yeah, I'll be into something else. But I'm very happy to be out of the retail fertilizer business. It, it's a it's a tough business. With Why? The well the employees and the customers and the vendors. It, it's just really tough. The farmers' pressure for to pr- produce their crop with the weather and the weather constraints. Is magnified in the in the retail business because you have a whole bunch of farmers that need their crop taken care of right now, and you just can't you know it's hard to do it all um, on the day that it needs to be done. And then the the, the vendor side of it, um, dealing with chemical and fertilizer companies, it's it's just a tough business. It's it's uh it's hard um, you know to buy at the right time. It's hard to get the contracts. Uh, set up to where you're protected to some degree, there's just a lot of risk and a lot of uh, squabbling that goes back and forth to get the product up here on time and paid for. It's just a tough business.
1: It's interesting because I think what you talk about is what we often talk about risk. Everything in farming is all about risk management, volatility. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that you, you need it that day. You need that moment, right? Not two days later, not a week later. There's such little uh, flexibility, really, whether it is that you're selling to the farmers or if you're the farmer doing the action, everything is yeah. urgent.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it matters, you know, it matters to the individual farmer and it mattered to us. And when, when we couldn't perform or did a subpar job, we took it personally and uh, it just got to the point where it was too much pressure and too much stress for the return and um you know it was a good business it wasn't a great business we worked hard for the money that we earned but uh it it was time it was time to move on uh I think in Dalton's life and my life as well with our young families and the amount of effort that we put in that business for 10 or 11 years there it, it it took a lot out of us so I'm glad to be out of that business and and I do truly love farming and uh I'm glad to have a slightly less slightly less pressure packed day. And I'm, I'm also, uh, because we were able to sell that business this year, I'm an assistant varsity basketball coach. So that's been a really a good thing for me personally. I really enjoy that. And uh, that would have been possible if we hadn't have sold the business.
1: And um, yeah, so now you're saying you're in a less stressful occupation of farming or slightly less stressful. Occupational farming
0: it's it's much less stressful <laughs> much less, okay. that's that's interesting it, it is, so
1: I think last time we spoke, you mentioned that you want your focus as a farmer operator is profitability, right? It's not just scale. You don't want to farm twenty thousand acres. That's not your goal in life. Maybe you get there, but it's not your goal. Can you talk about what it is that drives you as a farmer? what What's your goal to accomplish?
0: My goal is to, to keep farming. You know that's the that's the the basics of my goal because I love the farm. I think it's a great life, a great lifestyle. It's provided very well for my family. I would hope, and I'm not going to force my kids into this. I want them to do what makes them happy. But I would hope that one of them at least wants to carry on the farm. And so I want the farm to be um, stable and. Efficient enough to carry on through generations, if it if it if that is you know the will um, of my my kids and their kids. But uh, we want to run a profitable business because that's the whole that's the whole point of being in business. And we want to leave everything that we touch, uh, as far as the facilities that we operate, the land that we operate. We we want to try to leave it better than uh, when we when we took it over and. There's a lot of different definitions for better, but um, you know we want we want to constantly improve our operation and constantly improve our land and constantly improve our facilities as we can. so that that's my goal is to just get better every day to build a sustainable and efficient operation for whoever comes next.
1: So let's talk about that a little bit. What are the bigger challenges that you currently have or think you're gonna have over the next
0: couple of years? I think the price of everything, And the risk so because of the price of everything the the risk involved is becoming really great and there's tools marketing tools risk management crop insurance there's tools to manage some of that but this equipment is getting so expensive that um you know that is really a scary a scary thing for me to get large large equipment to roll over the acres that we need to roll over It costs so much money, takes so much capital, and then it depreciates so quickly. And then the input costs, too, are so volatile. Uh, We're seeing that now. If we had this conversation three months ago or even probably a month ago, we'd be talking about extremely high uh, input costs for nitrogen and fertilizers, but they've really dropped a lot uh, over the last month, and that is probably a good thing. But if you're on the wrong end of it, you know it costs a lot of money. So the the I don't want to say the capital cost um, because we're well funded, but just the risk of the cost of everything that goes into producing a bulk commodity of corn and soybeans. I think that's the greatest risk.
1: Right, and it's let's just make that clear: you have to pay for everything in advance early in the year, and you don't know how much, not only how much yields you're going to get by the end of the year, you also don't know what the price of grain is going to be at that point. And you carry that risk for 10 months or so.
0: Yeah. Well we we buy uh we buy basically all of our fertilizer needs the summer ahead of the crop that we're gonna grow. So going into the twenty uh two thousand twenty three year, we had all of basically all of our nitrogen and dry fertilizer needs bought by August of 2022 on the liquid fertilizers the nitrogens, and then by probably uh, September of 2022 for the dry. And then all the chemicals were paid for in December, purchased in December. So uh, then we have grain storage. So nearly all of our, probably 90% of our 2022 crop is still in the bin uh, to be metered out to the end users that we deliver to in our market uh, as they need the grain. So the you you really need about one and a half or one and three quarters of the value of the inputs of a crop in reserve capital to you know to properly purchase and be prepared for the next year. So it, you know it takes a lot of money, takes a, access to a lot of money to to operate you know correctly.
1: Right, and you mentioned that the equipment is getting or is very expensive. What do you think about? possibly in the future, having smaller equipment, cheaper, more of it. Do you like that concept? Do you think this is where things are heading?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, now I've been saying this for a while and stuff just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But yeah. I think it has to. I think that you know we're buying $700,000 combines and $650,000 tractors that weigh 60,000 pounds and dragging sixty pound planters across the field. I think that it has to get smaller and more automated and and I'm excited for that. Uh, I think that helps with a lot of our uh, labor issues as well as far as planting and spraying and tillage. And um, I think if we can have autonomous vehicles and run smaller ones, more units with uh, a good person overseeing multiple units and running 24 hours a day, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, I think it, it still leaves uh, some logistical problems for getting product to the field, uh, fertilizers, nitrogen fertilizers, and then getting the grain off the field. But at least uh, at least, um, it takes the field operation part of it, uh, makes it smaller. But, yes, I think that the equipment has to get – I think it needs to get smaller. I don't know that it has to get smaller, but I think it needs to get smaller.
1: And what other what other technologies are you excited about? that you're either seeing or hoping are going to come to market?
0: I think we need to get, and we're, on our farm, there's people that are doing it a lot better than we are, uh, but I think we need to get to where we're treating, I say acre just because it's a relatively easy measurement of ground that people can understand, but we need to be treating every acre, the smallest unit that we can efficiently do, differently. And we need to be... Uh, monitoring what's going on in it and and applying the products that they need that 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 specific area needs instead of blanket applying chemicals and fertilizers and pesticides and all that. We need to get, we need to treat the crops more individually and inside the field with the products that they need to get maximum yield. And that'll be a good thing on the cost side and a good thing on the output side, I believe, on the revenue side.
1: You're saying an acre, hopefully, what's the unit now in your
0: mind? We do variable rate, dry fertilizer, we soil sample, we tissue test, and we're doing variable rate on a acre or, or on a zone basis a zone basis, but it's not it's it's based off of historical information it's based off of soil types and soil tests and previous previous yield data and we need it's not it's not. Based on information of the current growing season, and I think that's what we need to get to. Real time, and, that, and that's what's exciting—more real time—to where we can treat the crop on with what it needs when it needs it, instead of just making a, a best guess and blanket applying products.
1: I'm just going to mention I didn't ask you to to say that. Um.
0: <laughs> no, no, you didn't, and that's why I'm interested in interplant. I think that right. the 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 concepts that your company and John Deere with their sea and spray, and I'm not a John Deere. I don't have, we, we have a John Deere planner, but that's it. But uh, yes, you're not some of the John concepts Deere. that they're work, I'm, I'm not a John Deere guy specifically, but the concepts that they're, that you and they are working on, I think just make a lot of sense. And, and, and bought commodity purchase, uh, uh, farming.
1: What do you think about, plant by plant management. Is that necessary or a bit too much? We have a lot of this discussions of it does it have to be every individual plant. Is there enough variability between one and another plant uh, next to each other or is foot by foot enough for an acre or whatever?
0: It seems like plant by plant would be overwhelming to me, but there's been a lot of changes. This is my 20th full-time year farming in, uh, changes in the last 20 years i would have never dreamed we can do the stuff that we're doing now so i'm not i'm not going to say that it's not possible or not feasible or it's not a worthy goal because it is when you walk fields every plant is different and you can see plants that are uh, not the same as the one right next to it and and a lot of times it comes from a planting mistake or or uh, a bad seed or something but if you can if you can get it to the plant level, that would be mind-blowing.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that especially as the equipment evolves and, and can really do a lot of the heavy lifting of treating every plant, it's it's feasible, right? Because then everything is essentially automated. Obviously, a human cannot do it because there's so many plants out there, but a machine could. So, Ryan, you yeah,
0: mentioned... I just- it, it would just be a, to me it would be a question of how do you get it to where it is not cost prohibitive to have the technology to treat every plant it's all uh, to me at power. some point there has to be at some point there has to be a an averaging but maybe not
1: yeah i don't I, it is computing power at the end of the day which is kind of the cool thing right if you take away all the heavy lifting of equipment and genetics and all that stuff but once that's done you just have to process data and act on it quickly and thankfully, that's the kind of things that—that's the tech industry, right? You can do that, and yeah. your computing power essentially goes down to zero almost. I don't know what the result will be. Yeah. Is it going to be every plant needs something else? I guess one—one one day we'll know, right? Or maybe it's in yeah. an area,
0: or—and that's really hard for me to wrap my head around because I have a hard time just printing stuff in my office. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's actually a really great point. Printing sucks. I uh, still my printer doesn't work half of the time. I don't even know how we ever did that. Um, well, you mentioned this is your twentieth full year of farming, so let me pose another really easy question for you. When you wrap up your fortieth year, what do you think farming is gonna look like? What's your most crazy vision of twenty years of innovation from now
0: uh, i don't I don't want to go on record with my prediction prediction, but so I, if I, if I think someone that calls back in 20 years, a, yeah. Yeah, there'll be a lot more uh, autonomous vehicles. You know, autonomous vehicles, I think, will be spraying stuff with drones and we'll have uh, planters with no operators out there planting fields and spraying fields. And I think our you know our, our production increases will be unbelievable uh, for what, what we can grow with the inputs that we're using. I hope that I'm still here and I'm still farming, uh, but I uh, hope that we got the next generation of, farmers lined up to take over the operation and make their own mark. And Right. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. I know that.
1: By then, Bo might be taking over.
0: Uh, well, that's my plan. Bo or healthy. <laughs> I
1: have one more question that I just never ask, but I'm super curious about this. Why is it in farming that it has to be that the kids take over? And if they don't want to farm, then it's hard to find the next owner for the farm. Why is it like that?
0: I think it's a it's a there's an emotional attachment and I think that um every farmer that truly loves it wants their kid to or their child to do the thing that makes them happy and that they truly love. And then I think the other big problem is when you start talking about an outside uh person there has to be a deep connection there because there's so much money involved that if you're going to – if someone is going to take over your operation, you're going to – the current operator is going to have to fund or support the new operator in some way. And I just think that – I think a lot of a lot of farmers start when they're too old, uh, wait too long to make that transition. And so they don't want to take the time to work somebody else into it over time to where they can afford to do it. And I think that's a big problem. Uh, but it's just it's so much money to get somebody started and somebody has to underwrite that more or less. And I think that's a big reason why you don't see more non family people taking over operations, because I think it's just so much easier when people get to the end of their rope to just retire and and, you know, rent it out uh, to whoever neighbors or big farmers or anybody just rent it out and sell their equipment and move on.
1: There's definitely an emotional thing when it comes to farming that I think no one in other industries can actually understand, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, Brian, thank you so much for being here today and sharing some of your journey and thoughts with us and predictions, which we'll touch base on in twenty years.
0: Well, <laughs> well thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and I hope uh, I hope you don't get too hard on me in twenty years when you uh, when you bring back up my predictions. <laughs>
1: like five years we're going to be training every individual plant don't worry about it it's going to happen so quickly Yeah,
0: i hope so i hope you're right thank you thank you that wraps up this episode of croptastic thank you again to brian thompson for joining us today as always please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and please share any feedback you have with us via linkedin or on our twitter account at inner underscore plant thanks for listening